Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host, Ben, and as always, I'm joined by Keith hey. and Brad. What's up? Okay, so we got a special episode this week. The first segment is where we're going to be joined by our friend Kelly to talk about the Oscar nomination reactions. You know, every year the four of us get together and have our Oscar pickums. So you're going to hear kind of a reaction. We're not going to do the pickums just yet, but just kind of our, our gut feelings about this year's class. And Kelly is actually going to introduce two movies that she wants us to see because every year we do this and the person who has the most picks correctly is the winner and they get to pick a movie for the rest of us to watch. Kelly had won two years in a row and so she's going to announce the two movies that she wants us to watch and you know we'll have we'll have a good time with that and then afterwards we actually have some reviews to do and it's good timing. Keith has uh, three movies, two of which are Oscar nominated movies, American Fiction, Poor Things, and then we're going to close out with uh, Mean Girls, the musical, which is another movie. Actually it's another movie that's a favorite of most of ours. I know mm -hmm. Kelly likes it and but, but before we get to those reviews, here's Kelly in our Oscar discussion. So here's our segment on the Oscar nominations for 2024. And uh, as always, we're joined by our friend Kelly. Kelly, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you guys? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm sorry, I should say two-time Oscar Pick'em yes. champion, yeah. Kelly. Uh, movie, movies and a Meal podcast. Uh, you need a belt or something. You know, you know, yeah, uh, a trophy or something. Yeah. Yeah. The two-time champion of the Movies and a Meal podcast, Oscar Pick'em, mm -hmm. Kelly. Yeah. It's just reactions right now, so we don't really need to stand on that kind of ceremony until the predictions <laughs> episode, but yes, happy to be back. Like I said, if anybody is not familiar, basically, you know, this has become an annual tradition. Kelly joins us for Oscar Pick'em. Uh, we pick between nine categories, the four of us. And, you know, to put a little stakes on it, usually uh, the person who has the most correct picks um, gets to pick a movie for all us to watch. We're a little bit kind of behind on things. So Kelly had won, I think, the first two years. So we owe her two movies, which she's going to announce uh, momentarily. And then Keith won it last year. So you know, there's another movie. That, yeah. yeah. It's a fun exercise. Mm -hmm. I think we all enjoy it. But again, this is just like what Kelly said, our just base reactions. And we'll make our official picks uh, later on. But I guess uh, like I know, but these guys don't know. So maybe we shouldn't keep them in suspense <laughs> any longer. But uh, Kelly, do you want to you want to announce the two movies that we're going to watch uh, because of your wins? So we have talked about doing this for years now. And unfortunately, I am one of those people that cannot make a decision. <laughs> so I think there were a whole bunch of proposed double features, but I am officially settled on this now. But we are doing a double feature of Out of Sight and Set It Off. So obviously Out of Sight we reviewed a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the impetus too in that pick is yeah. <laughs> right you won't be able to see it on radio but um you know i have this movie poster and um set it off as a 1996 heist thriller is that, so they're both is that queen latifah queen latifah it's directed yeah. by f gary gray um, like, that, that, good choices Vi yeah. vivica a fox <laughs> mm -hmm. is she in that one i think but yeah it's a it's a it's a heist feature yeah oh, that's cool yeah. excellent so had you guys i mean i would say we've seen out of the sight, but mm -hmm. like brad i'm gonna i'm assume that you've never seen set it no. off before nor have you ever heard of it no have um, you seen it? I have. It's been a long time. Yeah. Right. It's, I'm uh, excited about that one. Yeah. Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox, Jada Pickett-Smith. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Gray's in this, apparently. Okay. So uh, <laughs> 1996. Why those two? I think you explained a little bit to me. Obviously, Out of Sight, I think, has been on your mind for a while. But, like, why, why set it off? Well, those are two movies that I haven't seen that 
I'm pretty sure I will absolutely love. And like you said, yeah, every time we tape one of these episodes, I see that out of sight poster and I'm like, I need to see that. And I just never do. So hopefully now I will. Okay. All right. Well, great. Well, I guess I, well, I hope you would. You're the one who picked the movie. So (laughs) I mean, I am an unreliable narrator, but I would call out of sight the coolest movie of all time. And think about that when you see it. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, George Clooney's good. And Mm -hmm. I would say, besides maybe Selena and Hustlers, this is probably Jennifer Lopez's best Mm -hmm. movie performance, actor performance. Okay. All right. So that's that. Um, Keith's win pick will be TBD. But, you know, we got to get, we got to, we got to get these out of the way first or we're really going to get backed up. You know, let's get the 2024 contest rolling. So, Brad's going to just read all the categories and all the nominees, yep. and then we're just going to have a just real quick general discussion because, yeah. again, we're going to hold our pickums until uh, later. Yeah, not no pickums yet, so that's a, that's a later date. i got to somehow see if I can find a way to watch 17 movies before then. So, And then what are the Oscars? The Oscars are March 10th at 7 p.m., and I believe it is ABC. All right, so we'll start off with the, uh, the granddaddy of them all, the best picture. Nominees, 10 of them. American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall. Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and Zone of Interest. Best Director, Justine Trier for Anatomy of the Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. For Best Actor, it's Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Best Actress, Annette Bening for Niad, Willie Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. For Best Supporting Actor, Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Best Supporting Actress, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, American Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Niad, and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Best Original Screenplay, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, Past Lives. And Best Adapted Screenplay, American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, in the zone of interest, and for our own little category, special category, best animated movie, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This year, there's 19 total movies out of the nine categories. Last year, there's 25, so a little more compact. Kelly, um, just generally, what do you what do you think of this this year's slate? Um, you know, if you want to throw in some snubs or some other things, but uh, what are your just what are your just gut reaction about this uh this field? Backstory or context, I guess. I haven't seen most of the movies yet. So this is not an informed decision or opinion. <laughs> but I don't know. I I feel like except for maybe best actress, it doesn't feel like there's something where I'm like, oh, that's definitely winning, or like that person is definitely winning, which is going to make me reclaiming my title in a few weeks a little hard, because I'm going to have to guess, and I am not good at that. (laughs) Um, I think, honestly, the things I'm happiest about, America Ferreira getting nominated for Barbie, 
and uh, Lily Gladstone getting nominated for Best Actress. And it's it's horrible that we haven't had an Indigenous actor winning. But because I don't think actor of either gender, right? But definitely not actress. We've had some people been nominated, mm -hmm. but ne who've never won. Mm -hmm. Also, we had the other way because um, I think Brad and I are in the same boat as you, Kelly. But <laughs> Keith, you've actually seen a lot of these movies. So mm -hmm. what are your what is your feeling? Well, you know, my impression when I first looked at the list was, especially with Best Picture, this is all around pretty solid. You know, we yeah. talked about it. This is a year when we had all kinds of great directors. You know, we had Michael Mann was in there, Robert Rom, Greg Gerwig, Rob, what's his name, uh, Scorsese. You know, so we should have all great picture nom best picture nominees. I like all of them. Um, you know, I've seen them all. I will say I would have taken out Zone of Interest. The only movie, I'm not really big on snubs, but I love The Color Purple. And the fact that that got one nomination on the entire list just blew my mind. I would have put that in for Zone of Interest. But my first impression was... These are all really strong movies, and the list reflects that. You know, um, it was a little weird that neither Margot Robbie or Greta Gerwig were nominated for Best Actress or Best Director, but if you simply take out the director of Zone of Interest and throw Greta Gerwig in there, that would have fixed that for me. But overall, I don't think there was a lot I could complain about. Do you feel Margot Robbie might have been snubbed for Best Actress? Because Looking at the list, I really don't. Barbie is a very fun movie, and she was very good. It's also just a great movie. But that didn't really bother me. Greta Gerwig, it bothered me a little more because there's a lot of artistry in that movie. Okay. Can you bring up the actress nominees again? Yeah, sure. It's uh, Annette Bening for Nyad, uh, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Sandra Huller for um, Anatomy of a Fall, Kara Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. So You don't think... Um, I didn't really hear a lot of buzz for Nyad. I feel like that one was kind of came out. You don't think it's a Margot little... Robbie for Annette Bening... It's a little surprising, but I haven't seen Nyad, so yeah. I can't call it a snub. Is all I was, all I was saying. I mean, you know, I, I'd say she was she had to be number six out of if there were, if there was with a five. Yeah. You know. Now, Brad, you we were talking about the nominees um, the other day, and you had an interesting question about is it better to have more variety or like what was that? What was the question? Well, it's I'm just looking at last year. I mean, and I, and I kind of mentioned it already on the list, but last year we had 25 different movies in our nine categories, and uh, this year we had only 19. So it's a bit of little little less i mean if you can't take out the animated films i mean take out those five basically i mean you you got uh 14 and um 21 so i mean it's there's a difference of like seven so i i didn't know if it was just because those movies that were nominated for best picture had so much heft to it that it kind of had to be uh, had to have this the secondary categories director actor actress screenplay all those had to be the same or not because last year like um best like the actor and actress categories there was a couple nominees that were just for that performance like paul meskel for after sun and they're the woman right yeah um, Gaines, the controversial was it, short, was, it was a Gaines, or i can't remember her name i'd have to look it up there was a lot of there was more variety last year than this year and i don't know if it was because maybe this year's movies were stronger i guess you could say than maybe last year's i mean it's kind of like maybe, top to bottom like acting directing yeah. yeah so i i don't know if you if that's what you feel or not i mean this is mainly for keith i mean this would be because keith's seen all these movies well, most I'll, of these movies so. i'll say something quick and then this is ben's turn you know movies like american fiction i love that movie the cast was very deep so there's a lot of nominations writer director and um and also with anatomy of fall got a surprising number of nominations but Sh Shandri Hewler is great 
So you're right. I think there was more consolidation among more great movies. More, less movies overall, but more great movies. I, I thought the Oscars were picks were pretty solid this year. I mean, you know, I love Past Lives. I thought maybe Greta Lee could also have been in there, maybe. Um, but again, if you're already, Margot Robbie's already fighting to be in there, I wish that could have been better. But like, Brad, what about your favorite movie of the year? Iron Claw, right? Well, one was morning, right? Yeah, it, it was It was a little disappointing, but I knew it was already uphill battle going there. I would have loved to see... Best Actor is definitely a stat category. I can tell right now, even though I've not seen any of those movies i don't think um the only one that might have been debatable maybe coleman domingo for uh, rustin but i like so i didn't think zach Efron would get nominated for best actor and i'm pretty sure i wouldn't have gotten nominated for best picture but i would love to see maybe holt McIntyre somehow got in there for best supporting mm-hmm. actor because he did a wonderful job in that but i've not seen like the only one i could think maybe would be mark ruffalo for poor things but once again i've not seen poor mm-hmm. things so i don't know Ruffalo might have been better than McElhaney, and maybe I'm just being a little uh, biased. It, it was it's a shame to see it didn't get anything because it was definitely a powerful movie. But what can you do? How many movies have you seen so far, Kelly? Remind me again. What did you What have you seen? <laughs> I've seen two. Okay. On the plus side, I guess I've seen two of the Best Supporting Actress nominees. Okay. So that's something. <laughs> so what you saw Barbie and what was the other? Nyad. Nyad, right, right. And you've seen all the Best Picture nominees? Yeah, if the, if the list is 19, I saw a lot of movies this year. I have the Regal, you know, frequent, frequent go, car, whatever. I don't know for sure, but I've probably seen at least 15 out of 19 of them. And I've seen all the Best Picture nominees. Yeah, and obviously later in this episode, in a different segment, you actually give your like full reviews on American fiction and, and poor things. things. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Andrea Risenborough. Yeah, for, for, for two Leslie. That was oh, the, that's that was right. Movie, so but, that's very uh, controversial. So yeah, so so there's uh, and Brian Tyree Henry Causeway too for actor. And oh yeah, role. yeah. So yeah. I mean, there was a lot of um, there wasn't as much overlap in um, mm-hmm. in those like Triangle Sadness for uh, Ruben Ostlund for original screenplay and picture made it there. But well, this so. was the year of Titans. Like I said, you know, these are these are yeah. major directors, major movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, again, we don't want to spoil it too much because one, we have to see the movies to make, um, you know, <laughs> educated guests. Yes. So. Yes. And, uh, you know, we don't want to give away our, our pick'em episode, which TBD, you know, obviously you're going to hear it before uh, the before the Oscar ceremonies, but we just have to figure that part out when it's a sweet spot of just like recording it early, but also giving us everyone i guess really just me brad and kelly enough time to watch these movies and catch up because keith i guess what is what movies are you lacking then animated you know i've seen yeah i think it's only the animated category the it's, one, was it robot dreams brad i haven't seen that one it's probably robot dreams have you seen Nimona? i have okay so robot dreams i believe you hadn't seen niad right no, that's two. And then I believe you haven't seen Rustin either, right? So that's three. So probably, so I've probably seen sixteen out of out of nineteen. So you yeah. you've seen all the best mm-hmm. picture, you've seen all the best picture nominees, but it's, so it's just like a these random categories of uh, yes. best supporting actor mm-hmm. here or best yeah. actor there. It's it's, yeah. it's best actor, um, and they're all streaming. So yeah. so you know you guys have more work to do because I think I think I think most of these are, are streaming. So they're all on VOD, but you don't want to pay for it. Most of them are streaming in a fairly cheap lane. You know? Well, yeah, I think Brad, you said the you said only the color purple was one that you just don't know. Um, and, there's, um, there's probably right now the movies that are TBD that either had just come out like American Fiction or Poor Things. Um, they just came out, so they 
they should be going to like American fiction should be going to Amazon prime, but that's TBD of course. Mm -hmm. And uh poor thing should be going to Hulu from what I've read, but that's also mm -hmm. TBD. The, the, yeah. the movies that are out right now that um, are either as Keith said, VOD or just, I've not seen anything on were anatomy of a fall. Uh, that's VOD right now, zone of interest and um, uh, robot dreams everything else uh, well and the boy and the heron it's not been announced yet but it's probably going to be hbo max or max yes so. they have all ghibli so it might be a good time to wrap up this segment but kelly um uh, it's always it's always good to have you join us and you know study up <laughs> we'll have to set a time where we're going to watch those two movies and you know and reconvene for an actual fix but uh thanks for coming on all right, so we're back. We've talked about the Oscars, and now let's actually talk about some of the movies that were nominated for an Oscars. Um, and I guess the first one we're going to lead off, well, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's do American Fiction. Sure thing. As always, uh, summary courtesy of IMDb. A novelist who's fed up with the establishment profiting from black, quote-unquote, entertainment, mm -hmm. uses a pen name to write a book that propels him into the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain. There's only a fear with trailers, especially with great ones for comedies, that you've seen all the jokes in it, and the only thing left for the movie, and you know, I really thought that might be the case with American Fiction, because there was no trailer I liked more this year. It's packed with jokes, really smart humor, but thankfully there's a lot more going on here. And as we'll talk about the Oscar animations in a bit, writer-director Cord Jefferson has delivered much more for sure with American Fiction. Um, this is his directing debut, and he got a Best Picture nomination, so it's pretty impressive. It has an amazing cast and really a razor-sharp commentary that rises near the top of the year stack with pretty great comedies all around. So what is American Fiction all about? And the premise that had me smiling from the start stars Jeffrey Wright as a college professor and writer of some acclaim who gets put on leave and is in rather desperate need of a career boost. As you'll know if you've seen the trailer, the path he chooses is an audacious one, adapting the urban vernacular that, at least in the biting view of American Fiction, white people crave in black literature even though that experience is far from the reality of Wright's Thelonious Monk Ellison. And that alone is one of the running jokes in the movie. Great name. And on paper, that description just doesn't do justice to how funny American fiction is at its best. Launching his scheme with co-conspirator and editor John Ortiz, always one of my favorites, shows Wright at his best in a role that earned him his surprisingly first Best Actor Oscar nomination. As he slides between his urbane college professor persona and the urban thuggish one he adapts for his new novel, it's the best kind of humor, the kind that makes you laugh as much as you squirm uncomfortably in your seat. The humor was no surprise, and it really bites hard all the way to the finish, but Jefferson and co-writer Percival Everett give the wider story a lot of heart, too, and that's where the rather astounding greater cast comes into play. Monk has issues all around, and he's drawn back into them after neglecting his family for a long time. Here, Tracy Ellis Ross is great as usual in a brief role as the sister who's held the family together through the years, and Sterling K. Brown is a hoot and a treasure, as the closeted brother who Monk has to reconcile with after years of distance. Brown also earned an Oscar nomination for his work here for Supporting Actor, and is well-deserved for a great comedic turn. But the real surprise here, and treat fans of Living Single, is the return of Eric Alexander as a neighbor to Monk's mother with whom he develops a romantic relationship that gives the movie its needed warmth. It's a complicated but funny role, as she just might be Monk's only path out of his insane scheme, and she plays it perfectly. My only real doubt is American fiction with nearing the finishes, how do you stick the landing with a comedy that pushes this many buttons? Thankfully, this one comes really close, giving us an almost pick-your-own-ending kind of finish with a great turn for one of my other favorites, Adam Brody, as a hilariously thirsty movie producer, before ending on two perfect words I won't reveal that had me laughing all the way to the finish. In the end, if you track down American fiction, and is thankfully finally playing wide for real this week, you'll find my favorite flavor of comedy, the kind that gets right in your face and readily lets up but mixes in plenty of heart. And for that, I'll give it three and a half stars.
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Keith, critics and audience, uh, what you think? Hmm, well, this is an Oscar nominee, of course, but it's got some edge to it, so I'll go like 88 critics. Fans, if you're going to see it, I think you're still there. I'll say 85. 93% on the critics, 215 reviews. Audience, 96%, 500 plus reviews. Critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, Jeffrey Wright and American Fiction will forever be inextricable thanks to the actor's committed approach to the poignantly humorous and exciteful material. Audience says, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, smart, funny, and poignant, American Fiction will make you laugh as often as it makes you think. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging movie, but it's very funny. Okay. All right, so let's go on to the second nominated movie that you're going to talk about, and that's Poor Things mm-hmm. from Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Lanthimos, <laughs> yeah. With uh, Emma Stone and some other people, but Brad, what's this movie about? All right, uh, summary courtesy of IMDb. Uh, the incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Godwin Baxter. And, you know, that's a good summary, because this really is at its heart a Frankenstein story. You know, going into four things, I had kind of a mix of anticipation and just a bit of dread, because Yorgos Lanthimos always comes up with really wild stories for his movies that could go off the rails at any moment. I've loved all his movies. He always swings wide. And Poor Things, it really is, in some ways, his wildest movie, but also one of his most conventional. And it really delivers in all ways. But, you know, first, a little bit about Yorgos Lanthimos. He's easily one of my favorites, and the first two of his movies I saw were The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer. They weren't the first A24 movies, but they kind of set the tone. And even in the A24 stable, he kind of stood out as a real weirdo. Made the big leap forward with The, Sa- the Favorite, which had all kinds of Oscar nominations, and including for Emma Stone, and a winner for Olivia Colman. And this is his big follow-up, Four Things. And it's got a lot of Oscar nominations. I think 11 Oscar nominations. Behind only, um, let's see, I think Oppenheimer has 13. And Emma Stone returns, of course, and is the center of four things. And it's really hard to describe on paper just how delightful this is to watch on screen. I don't want to give too much away because you really should discover for yourself. But what Lanthimos and Tony McNamara and Alistair Gray, his co-writers, cooked up is both a warped take on Frankenstein and a real tale that really is Dickensian in the scope. And Emma Stone plays Bella, the young woman who, for reasons I'll let you discover for yourself, has been implanted with the brain of a much younger child with full gusto. As we meet Bella, she's a wonder to behold. A fully grown person is adapting to the world around her as indeed a young child would. Making this a difficult world for viewers to adapt to at first, but if you just give in to it, it's a wild ride. As Bella discovers all the joys of life, from good food to seeing the world, and yes, sex, and lots of it, as you'll find out, Stone dives so fully into it that we experience it all too, and it's an epic journey contained in one pretty, still pretty tight film. And for a co-conspirator, you couldn't get a better one than Daniel Defoe, as the Dr. Frankenstein here, Bella's creator, who, who she refers to as God. He plays the role with the perfect mix of demented joy in his experiments and his real fatherly love for Bella. But Poor Things really takes off as Bella does too, escaping the confines of home with a gallivanting buffoon played with bluster and charm by Mark Ruffalo. As they escape first to Portugal for lots of sex and other hedonistic activities, it's a joy to watch as Bella learns more and more about the world around her, so much so that Ruffalo's Duncan Wedderburn smuggles her onto a cruise ship for a change of scenery. To tell you much more about the plot would be a travesty, so just know that Bella sees more of the world as she embraces her freedom, becoming a sex worker, among other things, and that's where the Dickensian touch comes in. The world building here by Lanthimos and cinematographer Robbie Ryan is remarkable, and is chock full of colorful characters, with Gerard Carmichael and Susie Bemba, among many others, delivering memorable roles in, in short terms. But this is at its warped heart all about Bella's journey, and it made me at least smile seeing both where she ends up and how she gets there. Like I said, it's an Oscar heavyweight. The nominees include, um, best pit nominations include Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress for Stone, and Best Supporting Actor for Ruffalo. 
So you should catch poor things, which finally opened truly wide this week as soon as you can. And I will give it four stars. It's a truly unique movie. So Rotten Tomatoes, Keith, critics and audience, uh, what say you? Uh, like I said, this is a really weird movie, so I'm going to um, aim a little low. I will go 85 on the critics and 82 on the fans. Okay. Critics, 93%, uh, 334 reviews. Audience, 81%, 1,000 plus reviews. And the critics' consensus on this, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, wildly imaginative and exhilaratingly over-the-top, Poor Things is a bizarre, brilliant tour de force for director Yorgos Lanthimos and star Emma Stone. Audience says, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, Poor Things is a weird, wild, good time, <laughs> and Emma Stone is fantastic in it. Just be prepared for adult themes that may unsettle or offend some viewers. Yeah, this is about the liberation of Bella, and she is liberated. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's close it out with a third movie, the only movie I think that has opened in this year, and that's Mean Girls, which is this weird meta thing of it's the musical <laughs> of the... It's a movie that's based on the musical that's based on the original movie from mm -hmm. 2003. This has a, basically a new cast. I know mm -hmm. there's some cameos from some of the stars mm -hmm. from the original movie. But before I go any further, um, Rad, what's the movie? What's this movie about? All right, summary courtesy of IMDb. Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, an A-list girl click at her new school. But everything changes when she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic. Regina George. Well, that's a good summary, but, you know, as I'll get into it, that could be the summary of either movie, and that's part of the problem. You know, but, you know, we were stuck in Little Rock. I, we, my brother and I went to Little Rock. We had a good good day, but good trip, but it was a rainy, cold Monday, and frankly, there's not a whole lot to do in Little Rock on a Monday when, it's, when, when everything's closed. Little Rock, Arkansas? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, Monday, and Mondays in the South, restaurants close, a lot of things close. Um, but, you know, it was so we went to the mall, and we saw Mean Girls. I didn't really want to see it. I loved the original. I was a little worried. My brother was in, so I went ahead. And we were looking for something dry and something entertaining, and we were dry and somewhat entertained. As I watched this Mean Girls, you know, my reaction to it was pretty much what I expected. I don't know why it had to be made, but it does have some charms. Overall, there's really not enough that's fresh in this take two. It refreshes most of the same jokes and just tacks on songs that nearly add nothing at all to the story. As you can tell from that intro, I am a rather devoted fan of the original movie with, created by Tina Fey and starring Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams and a host of other young talent stars, as Ben is too. And Brad is somewhat of a fan. You know, to me it's unquestionably a comedy classic, and I've probably seen it at least five times. So the bar was high, and this one just didn't really meet it in many ways. Star Wars, like I said, it recycles all the best jokes from the original while adding almost new ones. No new ones, so it doesn't have any freshness to it. You hear lines like, fetch, and he's almost too gay to function. They made me smile the first time, but when you recite them rote, with nothing new, it just kind of makes you groan. And you know, in this new version, what do you add to the mix? Well, if you missed the memo, you know, Ben's right, this is a musical. It's based on the 2020 Broadway musical. And one of the big problems is that, at least for me, these songs added nothing to the story. They just made the movie a half hour longer. But not only that, it cut down on some of the character building of the first movie, so you didn't even get as coherent a story. You know, um, and you're, you're, you're filling big shoes here, but at least on the front end, the casting was all around just not very good. I mean, this was the this was peak Lindsay Lohan. She was at her best as Katie Heron, so it's going to be big shoes to fill. But Andrew Rice really just doesn't really live up to it. And the big problem was Regina Regina George. You know, it was Rachel McAdams in the original. She was the queen bee. Renee Rapp 
to her credit, tried, but she plays her more as a physical kind of bully instead of where Regina George in the initial one was a bully, but she was more playing mental games with her, her, her subjects, and that was a more nuanced kind of view. I much more enjoyed that. In the supporting cast, though, you know, there's still big shoes to fill, but the roles of the outcasts, Janice and Damien, actually are played very well by Ollie Cravalho and Jaquel Spivey, who himself plays Damien, who they, in the movie they say is too gay to function, almost too gay to function. He really is here, too. He's very gay and very loud and very good. He himself is a Broadway star, was a Broadway star in Strange Loop, and he really gets into it here. Likewise, uh, Busy Phillips as Regina George's mother, that's another big role to fill because it was Amy Poehler. But she does really well in that, with, um, even though she's not given as much to chew around, chew, you know, to, uh, to work with. So, so you know, this, this, all, this all rang a little hollow to me, but, you know, what do I know? It's been out for a few weeks, and this has been a box office champ. This is obviously for a younger crowd than me, but, you know, I love the original. I really don't see why this movie was made, but for its some charms and its pretty good supporting cast, I will give it two and a half stars. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critics and audience. Keith, for the final time, what you think? <laughs> You know, I've been lowballing all all this, so I'll go a little higher than I expected. I'll go ninety percent from the critics and eighty eight from the fans. I mean, if you're going to go see Mean Girls, you're going to you're going to like it. All right, critics seventy percent, two hundred thirteen reviews. Uh, okay. Audience sixty three percent, one thousand plus <laughs> reviews. Uh, audience says, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, and I have a critics consensus. So, okay. as long as you can avoid comparing it to the original and you don't mind musicals, Mean Girls is a fun watch with some strong performances. So they only gave it 63%, though. I, I, I would have been around the same. But, you know, the musical... The thing is, like, there's the musical version of Hairspray, which is great. This one, I didn't see the Broadway musical, but the songs just don't add anything to it. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the thing is, it's just like the original is so good, mm -hmm. so you're already having to live up to the, exactly. the original. So. Okay, to sum it up, what did you give these movies? You gave... I gave American Fiction three and a half stars, Poor Things four stars, and Mean Girls 2004, 2024, two and a half stars. Okay, okay. All right, so why don't we go ahead and wrap this episode up then. So, um, Keith, do you want to do the plugs? You can find us at Movies in the Meal, OG, at gmail.com, Movies in the Meal on Twitter, and do give us a listen on iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, so for this episode of Movies in the Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. Spread, peace. See you.